Hello and welcome to another episode of Turnstiles and Tribulations. We are a football podcast, we are an Arsenal podcast, we even cover a few things to do with fantasy football as well. So we're glad that you're here with us, we're glad that you've joined us again for another episode. Do feel free to follow us on our social media pages as well. On Instagram, we're at turnstiles underscore tribulations. If you use Twitter, we're at AFC turn underscore trib and if you just prefer Facebook you can find us by searching turnstiles and tribulations do follow us do like us do share us uh, and do subscribe as well to the podcast if you haven't already so that it automatically drops into your podcast feed on whichever provider you are listening to us through so today we are going to discuss the Arsenal win against Bournemouth 3-0 away at the Vitality Stadium down on the south coast and the Arsenal just keep going marching on Fantastic is going to be my go-to phrase for the season, I think. <laughs> Every game, fantastic. Every game, just a massive smile on my face. Um, I can't remember when I last felt this good about the Arsenal. Results, the atmosphere, the culture, the manager, the players, everything about it, fantastic, mate. What about you? They have sucked me back in properly with everything that we're doing off the pitch as well as what is happening on the pitch so yeah really really pumped about the Arsenal at the moment and long may it continue obviously the clue is in the name of our podcast there are going to be tribulations um, as we go through the season there will be times where maybe it isn't as perfect or as fantastic as we hope but uh, fingers crossed we can keep it going for as long as possible um, should we just jump straight in with the first goal because it wasn't you know too far into the game that obviously it was uh, quick, wasn't it? yeah and that's really good to see I think you and I have always talked a lot about we can see the tone of the game and what is coming from the first couple of minutes is this a game that we know we're going to struggle in is this a game we know we're going to dominate in etc etc and straight away out of the traps off we went moving the ball around quite nicely um, and then, yeah, the ball gets knocked across the pitch from Martinelli to Ben White, just uh, in, in inside our own half, with a, what I thought at that exact moment was a bit of a strange chip pass that I wasn't quite expecting. But uh, the the absolute unit that he is, Mr. Jesus himself, brings it down, shrugs off the uh, Bournemouth defender, goes past one, goes past two, very Henri-esque, and is able to get the ball off to Martinelli, who... Takes the shot on his left foot this time. A nice, quick snapshot. And fairness to the keeper, actually, I think. Uh, good save. And the ball is just laid on a plate for Erdegaard to roll it in. Yeah. Um, summed up really well there. Uh, <laughs> I think you're right. That Ben White... I, we can't call that a pass. I don't think we can call that a pass. Okay. I think it was a little bit of a panicked uh, hoik. Can okay. we use that word? just sort of a, a ball into the air that I think probably as a team, that's not the sort of ball we want to be playing regularly, mm-hmm. just to sort of aim this ball up in the air. But the way that Gabriel Jesus dealt with it was so impressive um, to outstrength the defender, first of all, then to take that touch that absolutely kills the ball dead, um, spin, turn under pressure, ride a couple of challenges and to lay it off. That goal was all his doing. And it's another example of him showing me or showing us as fans something that we didn't see a great deal of when he was at Man City. Mm -hmm. Because normally he would have maybe taken that ball down but then just laid it off to somebody, made a movement back into that area in the box or whatever. uh, And there would have been a little bit of a slower combination with City. But with us, he's just taken on this. It, it must be confidence. It must be a bit of responsibility, like we said. He's, you know, he, he had the armband for a little bit of that game as well. Um, but just breezing past players and just the ability to take people on and dribble, we haven't seen a great deal of. And it just blew me away that goal. It was all, it was all him. And then there's a, you know, a decent effort, like you say, a save that comes out and. Finally, Odegaard's getting into the box and getting on the end of things. Yeah, and much to my detriment on fantasy, by the way, but we'll come to that a bit later, as I had made some changes, and boy, do I regret them. 
But uh, yeah, you're right. The strength, the desire, absolutely everything. And he is, he's looking like a different player, even from the Man City version. Uh, I can't remember who said it post-game, but someone said, we've got the, you know, Brazilian version of Jesus, the pre-Man City, the fighter. It was Ramsdale. Uh, is it Ramsdale afterwards? Yeah, so... Yeah. And and he is, he's he is so composed on the ball. He is so intelligent and oh it's just it's brilliant to see like you say to see players taking people on because we have often been a team that tries to just outpass and bamboozle people by passing around them so to see our players take them on uh and go past people is oh i, I love it i love it um not too long after we grab a second what were what were you thinking when that happens uh, my initial thought was, is this going to be brought back for offside? Because it was one of those that you can't quite celebrate just because of the um, the immediate replay you see. But again, it's a really good move. It's space ahead of Ben White that he's able to drive into. You know, he gives it to Saka and then he makes that overlapping run, cuts the ball back uh, and Jesus is there to sort of control it. And Odor gets in front of him just to take the shot, takes it off of his toes. Mm. But what was really impressive or interesting to me was the fact that we've seen our defenders set up, our, our sort of fullbacks, Zinchenko and White, set up quite a narrow to try and stop the ball in transition and try and help our build up a little bit, playing that inverted role. And that can often mean that they're a little bit restricted to their movement. They stay in that area and that the right or the left is just for the winger and you don't get many overlaps but I think it was just uh, at that point Ben White saw that there was an opportunity to get around there Saka's first touch takes him inside and squares up the defender um, and it was really clever movement to take that opportunity and to be inventive and to show a little bit of I don't know what you call it but to, to show a little bit maybe of unpredictability to go outside and to make that overlapping run and cut the ball back rather than what we see a lot of, which is Saka in that position, maybe cut back onto his left, play it to Odegaard, and mm-hmm. then we sort of go back on the other side and try and break through. Um, so I was really impressed by Ben White's movement there, and he helps that goal. You know, he's the one who makes that. Absolutely, and I, I thought, oh, we're we're using the right hand side of the pitch today. That's nice that those guys have been included because um, last week it seemed like everything was down the left. So yeah, the. Overlap, I must admit, I missed in the actual, you know, real time of the goal happening. I didn't even cotton and think there's a possible offside there. But like you say, with the replays, I was like, oh, yeah, that might be. And I was actually quite surprised that the um, the lines worked in our favour and it was onside. I was a bit surprised by that. But that's very tight, wasn't it? Very sometimes tight. those camera angles, it's like when you think the ball is actually going right into the top left-hand corner, but actually it's being cleared and it's about midway in the half. Um, so, yeah, those camera angles got me on that one. The thing I liked about it as well, like you say, I don't think we've seen too much of Ben White do that overlapping move for a start. And also the space that both Jesus was then already in and the Erdegaard then gets into the the Bournemouth back line is just so flat footed and so deep as well. There's just loads of room for us to operate in, and we've helped create that space as well as the fact. I think it's fair to say Bournemouth were pretty poor first half. Um, and the bit that I liked about it the most, not only did Erdegaard just thump it into the back of the net, it was the fact that he stole it off of Jesus's toe. It was just ruthless it wasn't like oh no okay yes yes after you after you and very tippy tappy like it can be with Arsenal it was direct to the point and ruthless and from the Ramsdale bit I do remember now him saying as well about they're adding that ruthless streak because they were so disappointed with missing out last year yeah and that we need to be more ruthless so I think that really punctuated that ruthlessness for me the fact he stole it off his toe. But, uh, you know, it's not like Jesus is upset. He immediately throws his arms in the air and starts celebrating because he knows that that's probably going in the back of the net. Um, And yeah, 2-0 and we're flying at that point. We are absolutely flying. Bournemouth, like I say, they aren't playing well, but we can only play what's in front of us and we were were flying at that point. Yeah, I think you have to give us the credit as well as 
being being aware that Bournemouth are probably going to go down. They're going to be one of those teams that is going to be fighting a relegation scrap. But we we made them look really poor by the quality of our movements and by the inventiveness of the stuff that we did and the fact that we were willing to get forward. And we're seeing a lot of players getting into the box. And like you say on that that second goal, you know, Odegaard is there looking to get a strike away. And we've seen over the first couple of games him a little bit wary of taking a shot in those areas or a little bit more about trying to play an extra pass when it's not necessarily needed. Hopefully um, the coaches have got into him there and said, look, you need to try and you know get shots away in those areas. And hopefully that's a part of a game that will improve. Yeah, long, long way of continuing. I mean, the position that Jacques is getting into, you'd think he's going to mop up because he was there again that the whole work one, that yeah. was being done with our shape when we had possession and even out of it with Zinchenko moving into a central role in many instances and then allowing Jack to get forward and then he'll drift back out to the wide part as well to maybe get involved in the attack, which the some of the patterns of our play are so intricate but also so clear and obvious. There's been times... I under Unai Emery, I couldn't fathom what we were trying to do. And for a long period of time, obviously under him, it, it worked. We had a big unbeaten streak, but I just couldn't see what we were doing. I couldn't analyze it. Whereas this, I think, is very intricate and high level, but you can really see it happening and what the benefits of everything, every movement is. And you can see how hard Arteta has worked to bring that into the team. And I think the additions that he's brought in really help punctuate that as well. Both Zinchenko and Jesus, for example, are really showing that new level that we want and aspire to be, as well as delivering it for us. So uh, really excited about everything. We go in 2-0 up. I don't think there was too many more opportunities in the first half for us to uh, to get a goal. I don't think we really tested their keeper too much other than the the actual goals, if I'm right. Um, second half starts though and Bournemouth certainly have upped their level they've certainly reacted to the fact that we had walked all over them in the first half again I wouldn't say that I was nervous or worried that they were all of a sudden starting to play a little bit better Um, yeah I mean talk to me about what you thought at that point we're 2-0 up and Bournemouth are starting to play better what are you thinking at that time? It was a little bit sloppy at the start, wasn't it? When we came out, it felt like um, maybe Scott Parker at half-time had had a light bulb out, you know, and was talking about intensity and that sort of stuff. And he'd, he'd, he'd got something out of him in that second half. Um, now that they came out like a team who had been given a little bit um, and a team who wanted to make sure that it didn't get a lot worse in that second half. Obviously, they got um, a hiding to Man City the week before. So they're well aware of how things can turn when a team is confident and flying and, and the movements are really hard to pick up. Um, but I thought they were a little bit more proactive in that second half for the first five, six minutes. They came at us a little bit. Um, they were still going direct with uh, Kiefer Moore up front, but they were trying to support him and get a little bit closer to him, where he was a little bit isolated in that first half. So it felt like the right sort of game plan for them up until what was it, the 53rd minute when we get uh, a set piece, we get a free kick. Yep. And then we get one of the moments of the season, I think, already. Um, we'll talk us for it. Future Ballon d'Or winner and player of the season. I think that's already a lock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's I'm... definitely going to be player of the month. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> he uh, scores his second goal in an Arsenal shirt, but the first one in the right end. Um, and what a way to... Uh, to to do it yeah the the free kick was i thought a bit like oh we've played it all the way over to the back post to Xhaka have we now not done anything with it and then again Xhaka little pass and William Saliba incredible finish incredible finish (laughs) that was just oh just to guide it bending it away kiss the underside of the bar into the side netting. Like, I hope he gets a hundred photos of that goal like, and just plasters them around his house. <laughs> that, like, it, 
yeah, incredible. And I, I jumped up and I was very similar to how Zinchenko reacted. I was like, hands on, hands up around my head, just like, what has just happened there? Um, Absolutely shocked, yeah. It, yeah, it, oh, it was such a good goal and well-deserved. I mean, it wasn't like he needed to do much more to make us already love him. The new Saliba song that was already being sung during the game it's uh it's perfect and apparently they were singing it in the in the changing room afterwards which i thought was funny <laughs> the, the players were yeah yeah that's what i said to <laughs> they, they were in there singing saliba and you can absolutely imagine that because they were doing the whole uh Saka and smith row song after the um north london derby course, win yeah. last year so yeah that insight we can now kind of visualize it quite well but yeah oh mate mesmerizing brilliant and uh, yeah, I thought Zinchenko's reaction was brilliant as well. Just the, <laughs> the shock of it. Uh, it was it was great. And that for me on a day of heavyweight fights was the only knockout punch that was landed. That killed Bournemouth. They still had the odd opportunity. There was like one save that Ramsdale really had to make later on in the game. But yeah. we, we were out of sight at that point. And that is maybe as well that ruthlessness that Ramsdale's talking about that we need and we've seen it as fans and know we've needed it for a long time to see games out. And don't get me wrong. There are some games where we've got a one nil lead and the opposition are just playing really well and they're hard to break down. They're hard to get a second goal against, but there are other times as we all know, as Arsenal fans, like we've said, you can tell we're just not on it that day. So yeah, to finish these teams off is, uh, is really, really nice. We, did a great, great bit of work there to go three and three. I thought the support players, again, the, the substitutes that came on all looked sharp, all gave a little um, flash of what they're going to be doing as and when they're in the starting 11. Um, I did want to make one note about the general play as well, if I may. Um, Jesus's disallowed goal all starts yeah. from him winning the ball just uh, midway in their half, very similar to Martinelli in the last game against Leicester, winning the ball, at least running to goal, whereas Jesus had back to goal on this one. But winning the ball, laying it off, a couple of passes, and he creates some space, he makes a good run, and then he finishes it off, and he's off by the slightest amount. And, you know, it was a shame because he deserved another goal to go with all of the involvement he had in how we're playing. And it's for me, that is just... So good to see it. it's encapsulating everything that uh, Arteta is after. That focus, that desire from minute one to minute 95, you know, forward, 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 as he keeps saying in the all or nothing. And yeah, this was late on in the game and Gabby Jesus is still working to try and do that. And uh, yeah, just in in general, it's just really pleasing to see. He's He's a player who's hungry for goals, isn't he? He's a player who really wants to to score and to show that movement, like you said, even into the final minutes of the game, um, still making those really sharp movements, still being ready to link up with with other players and still having that uh, mindset of pressing and that intensity and trying to get some interceptions and forcing the mistake, like you said, in that um, offside chance. And then the quality of the finish as well, because, okay, it was offside and... And it gets pulled back for VR and he doesn't get the goal, but the goalkeeper doesn't know that at the time. He doesn't know that when he's moving through, neither do the defenders. So the action is still something that you can praise, right? And it's centimetres off. It's probably, you know, similar to the Ben White one, the overlap that Ben White makes for the second goal. Mm -hmm. It's centimetres either way and some of them go your way, some of them don't. And hopefully this VAR system is is what we think it is and it's really accurate and we're getting all the right decisions uh, and there's no uh, conspiracy at play. But yeah, really impressed by by him for the whole game and I don't know what you think about for player of the match, but I know Od Odegaard got the two goals, but really it felt like Gabriel Jesus set the tempo again and he his attitude just inspires everybody else to be at the same level. Um, for me, he was the player who who I looked at on on that pitch and thought, you know, this guy is the one who's making the difference for us in the movements, in the qu 
quality on the ball um, and he's the real threat. And for me, player of the match for me. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I think the thing that I would add to that is it's so hard to pick a player of the match at the moment and what a nice place that is to be in the fact that you could make a case for obviously Erdegaard gets the two goals and he off the ball and a lot of the other stuff um, was doing some of the things that not necessarily were lacking in the last two games, uh, but it, he was probably at like 90% in those last games here. Here he was 100%. Uh, Saka was a little bit more involved with some of the play that we did and Ben White was also to credit to that because he did a much better job of starting things off down the right-hand side this week. Zinchenko looked also to me as someone who is so calm on the ball and with him playing this hybrid left wing back slash holding midfielder from times and then bombing on, you know, as a, almost as a left winger at points, what he is doing, how he is doing it, and the calmness that he's bringing is brilliant. The confidence, I think, is running through the entire group to play how they're playing. There was only a couple of misplaced passes in the whole game. I don't know exactly what the stats are. I do know that Saliba didn't misplace a pass the whole game. Um, yeah, incredible. But there, there was only once or twice that we kind of had a really obvious, like I think Ramsdale obviously had one where he, he kicked it straight to them. And there was like a, I think there were two Xhaka ones where he was trying what would have been really nice balls. Partey looked assured, again, doing his kind of stepping across the ball, turning his body and shielding the ball from the uh, the opposition player. It's hard to pick a best player, but yeah, I think give it to Jesus because he leads by example. He is a captain in his way by leading by example. And this is a different Jesus to the Man City one. Definitely, definitely. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up, um, and it was to do with the... It's actually to do with the way that things have been refereed in all the games, so not just in our game, but as we've sort of come to the end of the, talking about the game, referees are letting a lot of stuff go. Um, they're letting some tackles go. They're letting some, possibly even some fouls go a little bit, um, and they're allowing a little bit more contact between players. And I just thought, the sort of players that we've got in our squad now, especially the forward areas, so I'm thinking about Gabriel Jesus and Saka and Martinelli primarily, but maybe Smith Rowe falls into this category as well. They're players who are really good at carrying the ball in traffic. And they're players who don't mind the contact. And that, the, the first goal where you know Jesus brings the ball down, he cuts across the defender and on the slow-mo, you can see that his legs get um, touched and he could go down, but he doesn't because the most important thing for him is let's get a goal from this yeah. rather than let's get a free kick from this. And I really think it's going to help us through the season that we've got players who are willing to stay up and willing to um, receive the ball in tight areas, deal with contacts, dribble under pressure, and it's part of their game. Saka rolled the... Um, left back as he does I think it was Adam Smith wasn't it yeah um, he rolled the left back as he does in every single game you know gets his back and his bum out there and he pins people and then he spins off and all of our players in those attacking areas are so comfortable in those situations I think it's going to be a huge benefit having those sort of players rather than um, players who are just looking to try and buy a foul, a Harry Kane, for example, mm -hmm. um, who's just going to drop to the floor. And I saw it over the course of the weekend in a lot of games where there were players, um, I think Havertz maybe did it a couple of times. He went down when he's receiving the ball back to goal, sort of the ball's coming out towards him and he's feeling a little bit of pressure and he falls down. He doesn't get a free kick and his hands go up. Zahar's another one who does it a lot. Oh. And referees are letting all these go now. So we've got to have players who are willing to receive the ball under pressure and spin off and, and deal with big, strong defenders. And I think the makeup of the players we've got now is really going to suit that. A thought that you've just triggered as well by saying that is the fact that so far we haven't seen Saka get an absolute kick in by oppositions because we're not just right-sided all the time because we're able to now build up from a multitude of options. He so far hasn't taken a kick in like he did. I think the Villa game when we beat them one nil uh, just before the international break, 
I remember that game, he was just getting worked over and not getting protected by the refs. And I think it was after that game that Arteta did bring it up. And yeah, and I think that's because, like you say, we've got um, some physicality to our front line. Like you say, they want to move the ball around and they're happy to run at people. There was a part of me with Bournemouth being 3-0 down. I was a bit scared of opportunities that Jesus was running down in the final 10 minutes. I thought he was just going to get absolutely clattered in a frustrated tackle and could end up injured. And I was uh, there was a part of me that was like, oh, please don't, please don't get injured by chasing down these causes with just a few minutes to go when we are up. But uh, that's not a negative on his part. It was just a something that crept into my mind. You know, I was there the day that uh, Aaron Ramsey had his leg broken. That's not going to leave me. So it's uh, it is something that I think is in our mind, maybe as fans of the club um, who have seen these things. But these players, it's a new generation. They're keen to carry the ball and they're keen to move it along. And uh, they're playing the Arsenal way. And I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, long might, long might continue, really. The fans as well, the whole way through, were singing their heads off. I hope they had a great day in the sunshine down in Bournemouth. Um, a few new songs being sung, but obviously the Saliba one, uh, that was just being belted out for a third of the match, I think. I've been sort of humming it. It's been, you know, it's one of those earworms. It's been, it's been with me all morning. It's been with me in the shower, <laughs> and uh, it's just sort of always sort of lingering there. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, whoever whoever came up to that, you know, fair fair play to them. So there we are. We're out there and we're playing really well. We're putting on a very good display for the fans who are in full voice and, like I said, hopefully having a great time. Was there anything else from the game that really caught your eye or you wanted to kind of mention at all? Yeah, one other thing to add was about the substitutions that we made. Um, I know in the first couple of games, I didn't have any issues, but I was sort of talking about the fact that we hadn't really made changes until the last few minutes. But in this game, we got Smith Rowe and Ketia and Tommy Asu coming on for about 15, 16 minutes. And then we got Tierney and Lakonga for the last few minutes. Um, do you think that that sort of game time is going to be enough for them? Do you think that because um, obviously we haven't got cup games yet. We haven't got Europa League starting yet. Um, but we need to build some fitness with these players and we need to have them obviously feel like they're part of the group. Do you think that's going to be enough minutes-wise for them or are they going to be wanting more and more? When does the Europa League start? Um, the group stage draw is this week. Okay. And I think the first games might be uh, the second week of September. Okay, so not too far away. I think that players like that and substitutions like that will possibly creep in a little bit earlier to build up a couple of the ones who had injuries. So like Tierney had a knock, Smith-Rowe had a knock, Vieira coming back from his foot injury. Those three in particular will need to build up some minutes. And Ketia got a full preseason, so he should be kind of where he needs to be. Uh, Tommy Asu as well, he's another one who maybe needs to um, pick up and add to uh, his fitness in preparation and we can use those Europa games as well. So even if a player isn't quite there, who should maybe be in our starting 11, like a Tommy Asu, like a Smith Rowe, maybe, maybe they play a 60 minutes in the Europa to get them to where we need. But yeah, late again with the substitutions, you know, we've got these five new subs and it, it does seem still, even with 15 minutes to go late to bring them on. Um, and I'm sure seeing what we've seen of Arteta on All or Nothing, there is a reason, if not 12, behind everything that he does. So uh, there will be a plan there. I, I think that can be eradicated from anyone's mind beyond a shadow of a doubt now. There is a plan and there's a reason for what he does. So um, I think the biggest thing out of the substitutions, I was keen to see Jesus and Nketiah up top together. I think Nketiah was out on the left mainly, but uh, I was intrigued to see like ooh, what what can happen here. Will we get any couple of instances of good play between them? Yeah, because I would be really excited to go very old fashioned for a game, maybe uh, an FA Cup game if we got a tough opposition, and see what a four four two looks like. I mean, it's a it's a formation that's never used anymore. Yeah, but uh, I'd love to see two out-and-out strikers up top kind of playing down the middle. 
like I say, that's very old fashioned. It doesn't really happen. There's far too much interchanging of position these days. But uh, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think we will see when Enketi is on the pitch that it'll get a little bit closer to Gabriel Jesus than maybe some of the other wide players would do. Um, and he did get a few minutes up front. I think when Tierney came on, he went sort of on the left wing. Um, Tierney, Tierney was, did, yeah. was bombing yeah. up and I think he got a decent cross in at one point. I wonder whether that's going to be a position he has to play a little bit if if he's coming on at the moment. And Zinchenko feels like such an important player, especially in our build-up. It's probably a job that Tierney doesn't suit. Um, maybe, maybe been a little bit harsh on his technical and passing ability, but... He's much more of a you know an outside exterior player and player who's going to put crosses in and maybe there's a position for him a little bit higher up the pitch. I was thinking this very similar thought and with a couple of weeks, is it? A few days left of the transfer window. I wonder if having another attacking player, whether it's a winger or a forward, if we manage to get someone in, like they keep saying, we'll do it if we can and if it's a benefit to us. Because that is one thing we are still lacking. Although Jesus can score headers, um, I think having someone who is maybe more of a Gabriel or Saliba build that's an attacking player would suit. And then that adds another dimension to our game. So that if we are up against uh, other big defenders, like a Van Dyke, for example, um, what other big defenders are there out there in the league? Like even Newcastle have got a big back line. Um, that that's another dimension that we can change it to. We've got 15, 20 minutes left. Maybe we need a goal. Okay, Tierney comes on. He can sling in the ball from the left-hand side and we put player X who we haven't signed yet and haven't gotten the squad yet who can get their head to that or bring the ball down and do something with it. Um, yeah, I did think of that because right now, Sinchenko's undroppable. Hundred percent, yeah. But I don't see I don't see us putting him somewhere else on the pitch either, because Jack is doing a good job where he is. Yeah, yeah. I wonder maybe if you've got a situation where a player picks up a little knock here and there, then there'll be opportunities to start moving people around. And three games in, we've got Fulham up next, and then there's only a few days until the Villa game because Villa's a, a midweek kickoff. I think it's on the Wednesday. Um. So maybe there'll be some rotation there. Maybe we'll see the likes of Enketia get a start off a few more minutes rather than sticking with the same players um, when we're playing every three days. Yeah, very possible. Just looking at that now. Yeah, Wednesday night game. I didn't even realise that uh, we had midweek coming up already. So that will be very interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. I hope it's not that we have to move people around because of injuries, but we know throughout the season they are going to happen. Um but yeah, the versatility that we've got. I know that Arteta kept saying, you know, I want specificity. Got it. But we've got versatility at the moment. And yeah. I'm really pleased to see that because, uh, yeah, we, we're looking good. But I do think we do need to add still. If we want to uh, maintain what we're doing across an entire league season with a World Cup thrown in the middle of it and do well in, in a cup competition... I mean, I think a lot of people are eyeing up the Europa and thinking we should be in for that. And clearly from what the players are saying, they are looking at that too, that they should be there. I think in their mind, the goal probably is the final for them. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be that, you know, we're the favourites for that competition. Um, obviously, the teams that drop out of the Champions League will might change that depending on who, who comes out. But... So long as it's not Olympiacos. I don't know if they're... <laughs> or Bayern, uh, yeah. If Bayern drop out, then we're in trouble. Or Bayern, yeah. Can you just imagine? Yeah. But look, we're, we, you go into that tournament as the favourite, then you've got to go there and try and win it. And that's that's the level of the team we are at the moment, right? We're a, If we're in that tournament, that second tier of European tournament, then we're the best team in it and we should be trying to win it. And if it's not a, a final or a, a, a win... A, then something's gone a little bit wrong, possibly. Um, but that's the that's the way we should be looking at it. Um, I really fancy us. The the big question. I don't know if you've got the fixtures up at the moment, but the big question that I was going to ask you is: we're, we're three wins from three. When are we going to drop points? Because I'm looking through the fixtures, 
and I'm seeing um, Fulham at home, Villa at home, United away, Everton at home. Uh, you know, I don't see us dropping points. I share the sentiment of something as strong as that, but I did actually have notes for when we talk about the fantasy watching the game. So we're recording this on Sunday evening. We're yet to see the Man United Circus rock up against Liverpool. The All the other games, from what I've noticed so far, there isn't a side yet that I would say are the whipping boys. You know, Fulham got a win against Brentford, who'd just beaten United. Um, maybe Villa and Bournemouth haven't had great starts. Maybe West Ham, you would say, um, are having a bad start to their season. They're not performing as you would expect, especially a team like West Ham, who were very strong last year and have gone out and spent a bunch of money in the window. But on the pitch, it's really not working for them right now. I share your optimism of, oh, when could we drop points? But there is a part of me that this league is too dangerous to be maybe that confident at the moment. That's where I am. And I hope that I'm not not enjoying where we are right now enough by having that semblance <laughs> of reality. Maybe I need to get on this is, the same level. As like, we're, as we're not going to seen you. This is this is not who's who's recording here. This is not even normal <laughs> mentality. I, look, one hundred percent. I'm on. I agree with you. But I think the players, the manager, the staff, the analysts—they're the ones who need to be concerned about Fulham. We can just ride this wave <laughs> and look at the fixtures. Oh, I think just we'll think, dispatch Fulham. I can't see any any, but, any uh, chance we lose a game. It's um, I I need to see us get rid of the demons that we've had in the past. You know, we've gone to teams in the last couple of seasons that are having bad runs and they end them against us. We need to see that not happen. So when it comes to going up to Old Trafford and playing United, who are on a horrendous run right now, do we beat them? That, for me, is when I can then feel a bit more confident that we're pushing those demons aside, that we are able to put teams to bed like we are in the game you know the third goal when Bournemouth were showing a bit of fight can we do it match to match as well can we continue to keep these teams bad runs going instead of letting them get out of their bad bit of form against us so that I think the scars of last year are still with me which is why I'm saying what I'm saying right well I guess on on that negative uh, note We'll take a break and we'll come back with some uh, round up of the weekend and some off-field chat. Welcome back to the next part of Turnstiles and Tribulations. All I've got to say is... We are top of the league. Say we are top of the league. <laughs> yeah. Does, does that improve the uh, the feeling as we left the last section to now? Is there that, you go. That's that's have the spirit. I, have I redeemed that's myself? That's it. Yeah. Get I know board. you don't believe us. Mm. We're going to win the league. Yeah. Three wins in three. Arsenal are top of the Premiership table tonight, and no one can join us for the for now. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if Liverpool win, they're still um, still buying us, aren't they? So. We are top, mate. Yeah, because they'd only be on five points because they had two draws, right? Yeah. Um, what was your standout other fixture from the weekend? Uh, the big one is, I guess, Leeds against Chelsea, right? Because uh, quite quite incredibly, I guess, Leeds managed to beat Chelsea 3-0. Um, I've been really, really impressed by Leeds. They are the closest... They're the closest team to us that I've seen play in style. They right. have the same sort of intensity. They have the same sort of attacking threats. They have really good movement. Um, I really, uh, as much as people make fun of um, the coach because he's, you know, Jesse March is American and obviously Ted Lasso is American and there's a connection there. Um, I think it's a little bit easy to make that that sort of um, Americans don't know football joke. So I've been really impressed by everywhere he's been. And from a coaching perspective, I think he's he seems like a very similar personality to Arteta. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see how Leeds get on this season because I feel like they've gone on a little step from from the Bielsa era. And like I say, yeah, I really enjoyed that game. They were the better team, no matter what um, Thomas Tuchel says, because he has been saying, I don't know if you saw afterwards, he's, he was saying that Chelsea were the better side and oh, really? the goals were lucky and that was a set piece and the other one was this and so i haven't seen any post-match comments or anything like that but that yeah that baffles me that he says that he must have been watching a game from a previous season very dismissive of leeds yeah leeds were all over them they were so so good that first 25 minutes half an hour the intensity and the tempo of leeds was so impressive so impressive and i think there's a couple of players there we should have our eye on um, long term and that's Tyler Adams who we were linked to I think for a period last season it, or maybe even the season before um, who can play right back he can play defensive midfield he's everywhere and he's he's a bit like um, party in the sense that he can just make these tackles and he, he's able to cover the ground so so well and then Aronson who's the he's like a He's an absolute dream. He just glides past people. A little bit of a Rosicky factor to him. Um, and he's an That's exciting player. That's the American player. one, right? Yeah, he's the, other, he's the other American. So those two were ones that, you know, I think we should have an eye on for the future and um, look to start tapping them up as soon as possible when they're going places. My favourite part to the whole game was the Chelsea fans singing, uh, your support is fucking shit, while it was nil-nil. And then as soon as Leeds are 2 up, they're absolutely giving it to the Chelsea fans. Shall we sing a song for you? Both you and I have been on the receiving end of that. And we've also been the team in the ascendancy that's enabled to give it back. So uh, it's part of the game and it's one of my favourite parts of going to a live football match is, is doing that. So long as you're more often than not the one being able to give it back to the opposition fans that started it. Yeah, got to suck it up, that's it. But yeah, that was uh, good to see uh, a rival drop some points. Long, long way to go. We'll see how it shakes out. It was interesting, um, Arteta saying that he'll start to pay attention to the league and where people are after 10, 12 games. So uh, we've got a little way to go. And it will be interesting to see where we are at that point and, and what's going on. So we can maybe discuss that more once we've reached the threshold that Arteta has set himself. Um, The other big game or maybe surprise game from the weekend was Man City dropping points at Newcastle this afternoon. That was a shock for me, especially when you see City do their usual going one nil up within the first five, ten minutes. You're like, here we go. It's the usual procession. But Newcastle absolutely did not lay down for it at all and, and fought back. Um, where are you with what you're seeing from Man City and what they do at this time of the season and what are your thoughts on Newcastle and what they can achieve? There's been a few teams who have surprised me by the way that they've set up against the bigger teams in the league. Fulham was obviously the first one to do it that first game of the season, but it seems like teams are a lot more willing to play expansive sort of attacking football. And maybe it's the coaches that are at those teams. They're not the, it's not the same sort of merry-go-round of, you know, your Allardyces and Hodgson's who are just going to sit back and try and soak up pressure and stick five at the back and try and get into a, a shell and just try and deflect. Well, everything. I mean, Tuchel did have five at the back against Leeds. Yeah, he but I mean, he's playing. He, he, I think his idea is to play a more attacking system. So he's got he's got um, Cucurella on one side, and then Loftus Cheek, who's a centre midfielder, playing as the right wing back, right, who's sort of coming right inside. Back, yeah, um, and then you're stopping your best right wing back at the club, who does really well in that position and thrives in it, because you're making him play as a centre half. Yeah, who knows what's going through his head? But um, yeah, it seems like the smaller teams are willing to go and attack, um, and. You know, Newcastle from the start went after them with intensity. They got loads of players forward. It left them open and that's why they ended up conceding the goals that they did. But, you know, I think that's going to cause some teams some problems rather than teams sitting back and City just having loads of possession and knocking it left and right. They're actually going to have to deal with some, you know, flying, uh, you know, wingers and some counter-attacks for a change and... 
Hopefully that shits them up a little bit, you know. Newcastle repeatedly managed to find space and get on the ball in the city box, which you just don't often see. So um, that really did surprise me. The other thing that I thought as well, watching how the city front three are playing at the moment, this is going to sound silly considering the amount of goals that they're scoring, but they don't look like they're a very fluid front three just yet. And that's a scary prospect in itself. The fact that they scored three goals this weekend, four last weekend, the fact that they don't seem like they're quite all on the same page just yet. Um, I think Foden is maybe almost being too selfish in some of the stuff that he's doing and not laying the easy ball off to Haaland. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Pep brings that up because he looked quite angry at one or two of the instances that that happened in the last couple of weeks. The way that City are playing at the moment just isn't quite their usual standard. And we're waxing lyrical about how the players that we've recruited from City are affecting us. Zinchenko drew a lot of praise from players and staff when he made the switch to us. I'm not saying it's all him or that it's all Jesus or anything like that. But is there an effect there where they've lost two good players that their their chemistry is maybe just slightly off? And like I say, even with their chemistry maybe being slightly off, they're still scoring plenty of goals. But they don't look quite the Man City of last season just yet. No, and I, I do think they'll get there. And um, I did say about Haaland, I think he'll take a little bit of time to, to adapt completely to their system. And I'm sure they'll come good eventually. But it's good that they're dropping points early um, and things aren't going their way to start with. Absolutely. Uh, shout out again, Brighton, getting a strong win against West Ham away. Brighton are up to fifth with uh, with that win against West Ham. And like I said, not only are they maybe the best-selling team in the Premier League currently, but uh, they're playing well, and they're not a team of superstars. So uh, kudos to them. Um, what other results were there on the weekend? Fulham getting the last-minute winner against Brentford. That was a bit of a ding-dong battle, wasn't it? Yeah, um, bit of a London derby. One of the weirdest ones, definitely, but still still counts, doesn't it? Even though it's weird. It does. Um, yeah, Mitrovic <laughs> again with a goal. Um, Tony as well did well, didn't he? And uh, yeah, they they'll be happy, I think, with their start and the way that they played. Definitely, even if they haven't got all of the points that they probably deserved, um, they've started well. They look like a team who might actually have a bit of fight and, and stay up under Marco Silva, who I didn't think would last a season, but um, he may well prove me wrong. Yeah, I mean, as it stands, who would you pick as the managers on the block this early on? I I can't believe I've just asked that question because I hate all of this stuff to be honest but yeah who who is on the block after two slash three games for me it's the classic debate it's Gerald versus Lampard again it's <laughs> it, it's the classic debate and I'm I'm enjoying every second of it I really thought that um I think Lampard's a fraud putting it out there um that's not necessarily a hot everything take, in life or just as a manager I think he's a bit of a fraud but I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about it when they lose a game because they actually got a draw. But um, I think it's him or Gerard to go first. Simple answer. Right. Okay. Not Ten Hag? No, no. Ten Hag will be fine. He'll, he'll, he'll get a win at some point. You don't think he'll just walk away and just be like, no, I don't fancy this. I don't need this stress <laughs> in my life. I'll take that. I'll I'll give you your money back and I'll I'll wait a season and wait for another big club to come for me. Fuck this shit, I'm out of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, a good weekend, lots of goals this weekend. Um, and so maybe that counts as a good segue to talk about points win prizes and goal score points. So let's check out what our fantasy teams are doing. Come back to us shortly and let's see. Chris, are you ahead or is Chris ahead? Thanks for still being here with us. We're going to come on to Fantasy Premier League. Just another disclaimer, we still have the Liverpool-Manchester United game to go. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon slash evening. 
Chris, you've just opened the uh, fantasy football app. Are you happy? Are you disgusted? Where are you? Um, I, I have sort of um, something to tell you, first of all, about this. I've just opened this app. I haven't opened this app for probably two or three days. Um, and okay. I forgot to change my team. So, yeah, it's not gone brilliantly, if I'm honest. The, the changes that I had okay. in mind, I haven't made. Um, but the substitution system might actually have actually helped me out. Would your uh, the changes that you've made, well, planning to make, would they have actually helped you this week? Because, yeah, your bench, you've got um, <laughs> two players coming in and you've got 20 points. Yeah, so... So uh, you are going to really jump up there. I, I forgot to take I, Darwin out. Um, who obviously got a red card and I was talking about changing Martinelli for Saka and I was worried about Mares not playing. Um, but yeah, my, my bench has scored me 20 points, like you said. So um, it hasn't done me too much damage, I think, so far. That will put you, you know, 15 points ahead of where I am right now as I did make changes and boy, oh boy, do I regret some of those changes. So I decided that... Even though I'd put him in, Erdegaard, this is, with the whole intention that he's going to get a bag full of assists, maybe a couple of goals because of that front line and what we're doing. But good old Gabby Martinelli came along and started playing really, really well, started scoring goals. I've been watching All or Nothing, as has every other Arsenal fan. And in that, they've clipped in quite a lot of his goals. Um, and I'm like, that's got to be Martinelli. Let's, let's put him in and swap Erdegaard out. And boy, oh boy, do I regret that with two goals from Erdegaard, 16 points. I'd have been flying with that. But no, I didn't stay true to my beliefs and I made a change and I'm paying for it. And I am staying in fourth position in this league where we've got uh, 10 people in it now. So thanks to everyone who is actually in it with us. Um, yeah, I think he, your non-action will actually help you more than me <laughs> trying to be cerebral. Um I do still have Salah, Luis Diaz and Alexander-Arnold to play tomorrow. So if they do smash United 6-0, a Salah hat-trick, um, well, do you know what? We'll come on to that. But uh, yeah, if they do score a bunch of points for me, that can help. But uh, yeah, I'm in fourth currently, but I think you'll be jumping ahead of me because of those substitutions already. So you will go ahead and then we'll see what happens with the Liverpool game tomorrow and if uh, if Diaz scores all six goals, I'll be laughing. Um, and hopefully maybe Salah does nothing. But uh, yeah, looks like you may end up ahead of me by the end of the week. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. But I will be, I'll be on top of it next week, I promise. Um, but what I'm probably going to need is a little bit of help from you because I don't really know what I'm doing when it comes down to it. Um, <laughs> I haven't been across all the games, so um, any tips, any ideas? Yeah, so I have been giving it a lot of thought. Um, and one of the first things I have written down and said to myself is, have the faith in your original decisions for players to come good. And if I'd have stuck with that belief, a belief that I often have, I'd have left Erdegaard in and I'd have been like, oh, yeah, I made the right choice there. Same goes for captain picks. Have the belief, if there's even a little shred of doubt, Think to yourself, okay, I'll change that. And I did. I made Jesus captain because he scored a hatful of goals last weekend uh, and had actions that were involved in goals. And I thought, oh, he'll definitely do it again. And I shouldn't. I should have been maybe a little more considered. I, maybe if I'd have kept Erdegaard, I'd have considered him for captaincy. Um, but uh, we live and we learn. Um, I want to talk today to anybody that plays fantasy premier league and talk about Mohamed Salah. He is the most expensive player in the game started at 13 million. We'll see if there's any price increases or decreases to come depending on how, uh, how they play this weekend. He's owned by 60%, 60.6% ownership. He costs, like I mentioned, 13 million. So that's a lot of money tied up in an asset that so far isn't setting the world alight. And again, this is harsh criticism with only two games played and 
typically for Salah does well on the first game of the, of the season, not so well in the second game of the season. A lot can still happen with 36 games left of Liverpool's season. But I am in the headspace of getting rid of him and distributing that money elsewhere. But he's owned by so many other people, so many people that will continue to have him in their side, score points from him. Can you afford not to have him? That for me is the big issue. So I'm in a quandary right now. And this comes along with my next bit to add into this. You know, there are players out there who are 8 million in the midfield, for example, Gundogan did really well today, scored plenty of points and is a snip. I think he's 7.5, something like that. Madison got a goal and he's a very streaky player. He'll go seven or eight games scoring points and then he'll drop off for a bit. So if he's scoring a goal now, that probably means he will do all right. Um, And then you've got Rodrigo for Leeds, who's got 15.9% ownership and he's only at 6.5, something like that to uh, to come into. So I think even less than that, maybe 6.3. And then there's even a few others, Perisic, Ivan Tony, Zaha. Like, do you stick or do you twist? Do you play the wild card? Is, is that an, a question for me? Because you know what I'm like, I'm going to stick, mainly because I'll forget. You're going to stick. Um, okay. I, I feel like a little bit like a transfer window. I feel like I brought these players in at the start of the season because I trust them and I believe in them and I don't want to take too much consideration of form or the odd game where they don't score points or something like that. You know, I even think, you know, I've got uh, Darwin Nunes in my team and I'm probably going to take him out because obviously he got red carded, but when he does come back into the team, I still fancy him to score goals. Um, so I don't think I'm going to stray too far from the team I've got. There might be a couple of changes here and there where um, one player in a team switches out for another if they're in a little bit better form, but I'm not really looking too much past what I've already got. The only player that I really like, um, and I don't know whether they're scoring points, you might be able to tell me this, is um, Eze at Palace. Um, and I think if there's any way I can get him into the team, I feel like he might have some assists in him. Yeah, he's someone who I had my eye on last year. I could see that he had something about him just as a player. You mentioned a couple of the Leeds players we should have our eye on. I quite like Eze and what he does. I'm not sure he brings enough to fantasy to really want to consider him too much. Like I said, the uh, list of other people that could be difference makers, Rodrigo, uh, Perisic now that he's playing, um, who else? Zaha has, has netted a bunch of goals already. Um, and Tony looks pretty strong at the minute and Brentford are playing well and they have a nice run of fixtures still to go. I'm not sure Eze kind of gets close to any of those guys to come in. So maybe pop him on your watch list uh, and keep an eye on how he does. And maybe he's an option to to bring in later down the line, but I wouldn't say now. Um Someone was very upset with me that I didn't give them a mention uh, for being in the league uh, and doing well. Um, I'm going to quantify what doing well is. So far, the leaders of the league, and this person is now joint first, so he will be happy, 190 points. Uh, Down at the bottom of the league, 72, but that person was a week behind, so there is a chance that they can catch that up. So let's go with 144 points down in, in ninth place. That's not a large split right now for where everyone is. It's a good uh, it's a good pack that could still be shuffled a lot. But he, uh, the friend I was talking about, Simon Drew, he was maybe bolted far too early. He's a Leeds fan, and I did already get a text this morning saying that they're going to win the league. And he has already used his triple captain, and he has already used his wild card. And that was before this week. So Right, that's a... Yeah, and I thought you were bad at this game. He's gone early. Um, it's going to be a race between you two to see who gives up the earliest. I've had what I consider currently a pretty bad week with both decisions that I've made and then points returns that I've gotten. Um, yeah, I'm only twenty two points off the top, and I haven't triple captained and I haven't used my wild card. So 
some would say that maybe I'm the smart one. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, the only reason I bring up the wild card option at the moment is because when the World Cup comes, we will have unlimited transfers to make during that point, and there'll be another wild card to be used in the second half of the season. So in effect, we get three wild cards. But have we seen enough from players yet that we absolutely have to get them in? I think we have, and I think that one player for me is Rodrigo. We've talked about how well Leeds are playing and their attacking movements and what they're doing, and I think he is maybe that player. But um, I may also may also think about getting Erdegaard back in, but of course, if I go and do that, he'll then go and do nothing for a couple of weeks, and Martinelli will go and score a hat-trick against Fulham. So maybe I need to keep my powder dry on that and just be stable. But for me, and it might be the same for a lot of other managers, there's a few big money players out there who aren't quite doing it yet. We'll see what Salah does tomorrow. But at the minute, I'm already thinking of redistributing his wealth and coming at it from a different perspective and trying to win or try and get up the league at least by uh, having more players that can contribute instead of relying on one person to contribute a lot. Mate, I'm... You've opened my eyes. I didn't know about the wild card situation. Um, like you say, because of the scoring mechanism, you need to make sure that the players are, are going to score you points. They're not just going to look, you know, look like good players on the pitch. So that's the Eze thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, I mean, Salah has got Man United tomorrow, guaranteed to get a hat trick. And then he's got um, a couple of home games uh, and then the derby. I feel like he'll get some goals. He's already scored one and got an assist, so things will come good for him. This is it. It's it's still very early, still very should you stick, should you twist. I think uh, desperation moves only need to happen if you are 150 points back already. But even at this point in the season, you can you can gain those points back if you're, first of all, lucky. Secondly, smart with your captain picks. So far, I haven't picked a good captain and I'm only 22 points off the top. Um, But yeah, we'll see what happens. There's a long, long way to go. We'll see if other people make any changes. Don't forget, obviously, you and I, Chris, we decided a couple of shows ago that we will do a forfeit. Regardless of where we finish in the league, it's about you and I who finishes above the other. So if you're listening in, do get in touch with us, find us out on social media and uh, maybe suggest what those forfeits would be for the loser between Chris and I. I should say I did have a message about a forfeit and um, I, I, I won't mention the person, but they'll know who they are. Uh, and they gave us a suggestion for something to do. And I said immediately, no, from both of us, we're not doing it. <laughs> um, and you can imagine, I, I, I'm not wearing a Tottenham shirt. That's exactly that was exactly what they said. And I said, look, no chance. This is a light-hearted, you know, podcast football podcast. You know, we're not getting involved in in that sort of nonsense. You know, I'd rather shut the podcast down before I start doing that. Um, so, if anyone's thinking of suggesting that, it's not even worth your time. Don't even bother <laughs> sending the email. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not. Going to a Tottenham game, I'm not wearing a Tottenham shirt. I'm not getting a tattoo on my forehead, even saying I love Arsenal, to be honest. Oh, by the way, one more thing on one more thing on that. I loved when they interviewed Rams, Ramsdale at the end of the game and he said um, that lot down the road. Yes. When he was saying about how, how much it hurt um, not finishing in the top four. Um, and it was even more because it was that lot down the road. Brilliant. Love the guy. It's very reminiscent. I feel that there's that vibe uh, from, was it when Vieira joined? And wasn't it Ray Parler had taught him to say Tottenham are shit? Yeah, the first English he learned or something. Yeah, that's very much the the vibe right now. And uh, I very much like it. And um, we're very together as we move forward in the Premier League right now. And long may it continue. If you're enjoying the absolute bilge that we speak week in, week out, please continue to listen. Please subscribe to the pod. Please share it with your friends. Follow us on social media. 
do get involved with what kind of uh, forfeits we are going to have to do at the end of the fantasy football season as well. And yeah, just just join us on this journey. Yeah, thanks so much for everybody who's um, joined us so far. Seems like more and more people are listening every time. I'm getting a lot of messages um, of people enjoying it. Um, that's it. It's what, what we're about, right? A big Arsenal community all together, supporting each other and um, just enjoying everything about the club at the moment. So that's it. That's the end of our fourth show. We've covered quite a few topics. Obviously, the Arsenal away win at Bournemouth. We've talked about a few other results from the weekend and what we think is happening in the Premier League. We've also discovered that uh, Chris's non-action in fantasy football will probably do him better than me making changes this week. Don't forget to be involved. Please do search us out on social media. Subscribe to the podcast as well on whatever platform you listen on and let us know what you think. We'll be back next week and we'll be talking about the Fulham game and hopefully we'll have wrapped up yet another three points there and we'll have kept this momentum going. Chris, anything you want to say to the lovely ladies and gents that are still listening? Uh, Just thank you for everybody who's still listening with us. I've had some good messages about the show and and how it's going so far. And just uh, get yourself a tequila, have a nice little relax, get match of the day on and um, we'll see you next week for another Arsenal win Saliba (laughs) (laughs) bye bye